Let us pray. Heavenly Father, at this time we pause to center our hearts and our, our minds on your word. And we ask that as your word is read this morning, that you will bless the reading and the hearing of it, and that you will use it to transform us somehow into a more Christ-like people, that the words will be more than simply words on paper, but will become infused with your gospel message, that you will use the word to bring us hope, to bring us wisdom, and to show us how to live as ambassadors of your kingdom in this world. Bless this time that we have in the presence of your spirit and in the presence of each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 24. We'll start with verse 24 and go through chapter 25, verse 12. Now three days after Festus had arrived in the province, I'm sorry, I started the wrong place. (laughs) After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul, so he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Now three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul, that he summon him to Jerusalem, because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept in Caesarea, and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So, he said, let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. After he stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Paul argued in his defense, neither against the law of the Jews nor against the temple nor against Caesar have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to the charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
It's long been said that uh, you shouldn't talk about politics and religion in mixed company. And especially in the South where we have so many unwritten rules of etiquette, you just kind of know that talking about politics at the dinner table is bad practice because you never know whose feelings you're going to hurt or who you're going to anger. Even if you think everybody there is in agreement with you, there probably is somebody there that, that isn't, that's going to be offended by what you say. So we have these, these sort of unspoken rules about you just you tread lightly when you talk about politics and religion. And of course, they also tell you in, in uh, seminary and license to preach and all these other uh, things where they teach and they train pastors, they tell you to be careful talking about politics in the pulpit. You don't want to get too political in the pulpit. Uh, there's a lot of danger in that. Having said all of that, today we're going to talk about politicians, <laughs> because that's what this, this passage is about. This passage deals with two different politicians that Paul had to appear before, and the, the truth of the situation is politicians uh, have always been politicians. They've always been around. There's always been sort of this element of... Um, I don't want to say sleaziness, but I don't know what else to say, so I'll just say that. There, there's been this element to them where you can't trust them. You don't really know what, what's, uh, what, you, can, uh, what you can depend on with them, and it's, it's as old as time. Uh, there's a story about a, a missionary who went to a foreign country overseas, and, uh, and he had his dwelling place set up there as he was, um, you know, as he was preaching to the natives, and he had a problem with rats. Uh, they were just infesting his uh, living space. And so he sent word back to the church, there are a lot of rats here, can you please send uh, something to help control the rats? And so the church sent a crate full of uh, rat traps. And the man put out the rat traps, the missionary put out the rat traps all over the place, and, uh, and the rats weren't falling for it. They weren't, they weren't ending up in the traps. So the missionary sent back uh, word to his church, they're not going in the traps, can you send something else? So the church sent a crate filled with rat poison, said put this out and the rats will, will take the poison. And the missionary did that and the rats never took the poison. And so he's still infested with all these rats, he writes back to the church, they're not falling for the traps, they're not taking the poison, can you please send some other relief to help me deal with these rats? And the church wrote the missionary back a letter that said, you're going to have to learn to live with the rats. That's kind of how it is with politicians. We just have to deal with it. We just have to learn to live with them because it's, it's all, there's always going to be some that anger us, some that, that tug at our, our emotions, and, and it's old, as old as time. We've always had the rats among us, and they will always be there. We just have to figure out a way to live with them uh, gracefully and, and as, uh, as God would instruct us to do. So when we look at this passage here, we see that Paul has been played as a political pawn. Basically, he goes before one governor, Felix, who is really interested in himself and uses Paul. And then years later, he goes before another one, uh, Festus, who does the same thing. But just to give you a little bit of background, if you were here last week, you remember that what happened, Paul went to Jerusalem and he angered the Jews. They got really upset because he was preaching salvation to the Gentiles. And, uh, and they had him arrested, even though there were really no charges to bring him up on. So Paul has been arrested 
And then there was an, uh, a planned uh, uh, ambush on his life, and it fell through. He was supposed to be assassinated, and the plan fell through. And so that gives us a little bit of background, and here he is standing before the governor of Judea, Felix. Now, Felix was known as a wicked man. The people did not like him. Just historically speaking, Felix uh, used to be a slave. He came from slavery and then was eventually freed and then rose to, to power. And like so many politicians who come from nothing and then they, they raise to power, sometimes they will, they will turn on the very people that represent the people they came from. And that's what Felix did. He would oppress the people who reminded him of his own past and his humble beginnings. And so Felix did not have a good reputation among the people of Judea. He was known as a wicked and very greedy man. But Paul goes and he speaks to Felix and, and he tells Felix about Christ. He tells Felix about the coming judgment. And it says Felix is alarmed. So we see that God is doing something with Felix. There is something, there is something triggered there where God is maybe uh, convicting him. He's doing something to Felix's heart. But Felix decides, I don't want to hear this right now. Just, just go away. And then he gets to thinking, wait, maybe Paul can bribe me. Maybe I can, I can get rich out of this. And so he starts asking Paul to come back and have these conversations on the regular because he's, he's hoping, it says, that Paul will give him money. So we see what happens with Felix is, is he's presented the truth, he's offered hope, he's offered the gospel, and instead of taking it, he decides to look out for himself instead. And then probably the... Uh, the worst part is in verse 27 where it says, Felix aimed to please the Jews, so he left Paul in prison for two years. And so what happens is Felix, because he's so hung up on himself, on his own interests, he decides to leave Paul in prison. And he doesn't do the right thing. It says he aimed to please the Jews. Now this wasn't because he cared about the Jews or he didn't want to hurt their feelings or anything like that. It's because he knew that if he kept the Jews happy, he would get to retain his power. And so Felix based his, his decision when presented with the gospel and his decision when presented with, with justice and what was right and his decision concerning Paul, he based it on what would help keep him in power. Now there are two profound lessons in this, this whole ordeal with Paul and Felix. And the two lessons are this. First of all, we cannot put all of our trust and all of our hope into politicians. And the second is that we can put our hope and our trust in God, who will work things together for our good. Now, first of all, the reason we can't put our trust in politicians is because more often than not, they will have their own interests at heart. That's just human nature. And we could say that about politicians. We could say that about ourselves, too. That's in our human nature, that we look out for ourselves. And so whenever we have a political candidate or someone in office that we have rallied around and, and we support, there's always that chance that they may let us down, that they will eventually look out for their own interest or they will look out for a particular group's interest because maybe that's their, their voter, voting base or something like that. And we see that all the time in, in, in uh, politics. You see somebody posing in a photo op. 
you know, with a certain group of people. Maybe they're surrounded by evangelical preachers or something. And then you'll see them another week later and they're lighting a menorah with a rabbi. And then you'll see them in the Middle East bowing to, you know, the Muslim leaders. And the reason they do this is because they're trying to please all these different areas, all these different voting voter bases. And so we can't really take anything that they say or do at face value because there's always going to be this element of them serving themselves. Now, I'm not trying to make a blanket statement and say all politicians are bad. I'm not saying that. I believe that there are a lot of good ones who truly love their country, who truly love the people, and have everybody's best interest at heart. But politicians are also smart, and they know that in order to help in the ways they want to, they also have to compromise and they have to do other things that maybe not everybody's going to be happy with. And that's why we can't put all of our hope and trust in politicians. We can trust that God will work things together for our good, because unlike people who are usually out for their own interests, God is actually out for our interests, for our own interests. Now, Felix had Paul put in prison for two years. And that seems awful, right? To think about being in prison for two years for no crime whatsoever. But the Jewish people hated Paul so much, they were ready to ambush him and kill him. And so Paul, being in prison for these two years, kept him alive, most likely. And so it's one of those situations where things might look bad, things might look bleak, but God still works things together for our good. Paul wrote that verse in Romans. And we know that God works all things together for our good according to his purpose. And he wrote that to the Romans not very long after this whole ordeal went down. Paul knew that sometimes when things look bad, it is still God's way of taking care of us. It's kind of like that old story of the man who was on the deserted island. And he, uh, he stored up coconuts, he stored up food, what he had hunted, all this stuff, and he built himself a little hut, and he kept everything there, safe from the animals. And then one day he went away, and as he came back, his hut had burned down and everything in it. And he was so mad, he cried out to God, he said, I don't have much, I'm stuck here on this island, and what I do have is now gone, burn up. A few hours later, an airplane arrived to rescue him said, it's a good thing we saw your smoke signal. (laughs) You see, sometimes things that look terrible, that look bleak for us, God can use it for our good. Now, Felix was eventually removed from office. Uh, It's not in the scripture, but historically speaking, what happened with Felix was there was a riot among the Jews, um, and he basically didn't know how to get it under control. And several hundred Jews were killed in a bloodbath. And so the Jewish people were fed up with Felix, and they were really fed up with Roman authority in general. But they, they petitioned for the Roman government to remove Felix as their governor, and so they did. And so Felix was removed and disgraced, and he was replaced with uh, Portius Festus, and, um, and he was different than Felix. He was of noble blood. He was Roman nobility. And, of course, the people were fed up with the, with the Roman government by this time. They were sick of it, and so there was, there was no honeymoon period. 
And Festus came in and he inherited this messy situation. And he inherited this Paul situation. And the Jewish people wanted Paul dead. So they came up with this idea, bring Paul from Caesarea back here uh, and try him because he's still in prison and, and we want to go ahead and try him. And Festus, not realizing that they were planning on ambushing Paul and killing him, he actually did Paul a favor without even realizing it. He said, no, 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 I'm going to Caesarea anyway. I will, I will just go there and talk to Paul and then you know, maybe bring him back for a trial. So he did Paul this huge favor. Again, this is God's providence. He didn't even realize he was helping Paul by going to meet Paul where he was. And then he goes there and he talks to Paul. And he seems very sincere. In fact, Festus was known as a very sincere and caring governor. That was kind of his reputation. And he seems very sincere and he goes up there and he talks to Paul. And he says, listen, would you like to come back to Jerusalem with me? And, and you can go, go on trial before me there in Jerusalem. And so it seems like he's, he's being kind to Paul, right? But he's being a politician. It says he was trying to please the Jews who wanted to bring Paul back to Jerusalem. Now, if he had, they would have been ambushed and Paul would have been killed. And Paul could have bought into that moment. He could have bought into that, that sincerity and he could have allowed his, his emotions or his human wisdom take over. And he could have said, yeah, you seem like a good politician. I'll go back with you and, and, let, and go on trial before you. Paul instead relied on his, on his uh, divine wisdom, discernment that God had given him, which basically said, no, you stay right where you are. I've kept you safe for two years right here in Caesarea. You stay right here where you are. And so Paul did. And he said, no, I'm a Roman citizen. I'm going to appeal to Caesar. So what was it that Paul knew? He knew two things. You can't trust politicians. You can't put your faith in people and politicians. And you can trust God to work all things together for good. Paul could have let himself be persuaded by human wisdom and by his own emotions. But instead, he relied on the discernment that God gave him. Now, can we say the same? When we think about how we make decisions locally or in the voting booth or, or however, whenever it comes to decisions that, that concern our political climate, can we say that we are seeking God's wisdom above our own emotional reactions or above human wisdom. We live currently in a very highly charged political climate where people are always getting angry and having knee-jerk reactions about one thing or another. We, and as we are in that situation, we, like Paul, are at risk of being played like pawns, being used for someone else's game. But so often... We don't realize that because we're using our human reasoning rather than discernment. Are we relying on what we feel and what we logically think? Or are we relying on the wisdom that God offers to us? Wisdom through His Scriptures. Wisdom through careful, deliberate prayer. Wisdom through the guidance and movement of His Holy Spirit that tries to teach us and instruct us in the decisions that we make. Decisions both big and small all throughout our lives. 
Or do we allow our human emotions and our human intellect to convince and persuade us? You see, when it comes to politics and religion, we can be sure of those two things. We cannot put all of our hope and all of our trust into any human being. And we can put all of our hope and all of our trust into God who promises to work things together for our good. The people in in this community and in our state and in this country, the people who hold offices of power, they, they have a very important role to play. And that's why it's very important that we pray for them daily. It's a sacred duty for us to pray for the politicians, whether Democrat or Republican, whether conservative or progressive, whatever. It doesn't matter. We have a sacred duty to pray for them because every one of them are human beings just like us. Every one of them have desires to do good, But every one of them are also prone to be selfish. Every one of them can make a difference in their country for better or for worse, just like we can. And that's why just as we pray for each other in our church, we must also pray for those who lead our systems of government and structure. But we have to remember, above all, God is in control. We must believe that, and we must commit ourselves to living our lives as though we believe that. And we do that by praying for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we do that by praying 